the journey of healing is really a testament to the strength of the human spirit. And I can say now with utmost conviction that faith is the lifeline to pull through the times of darkness. There were times when I seriously thought I wouldn't ever love again, but God is a gracious God and he has proven me wrong time and time again, that it is only my thinking that limits me. And I had to learn how to forgive even when there were no apologies and that I could transform my life through the power of prayer and by living a life of intention. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. So we're very pleased to welcome Aunt Debbie Gullery. Welcome to the show. So great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. I'm so happy I could be part of this. Yeah. Thanks for putting it on. So we're, we're just really grateful for you to be here because this is something that, yeah, like I said, that how do you deal with a couple, you know, when a partner is using pornography and it's very underemphasized struggle yeah. that people deal with. And, and we know that this is something you've invested a lot into understanding and being able to help people with this. And I know you have some just general outline. You want to create an outline, a structure for us to be able to understand this. So I, I just wanted to, we do have some questions, but I wanted to pass the floor onto you first to be able to framework for what it is that you do exactly. Okay, well, so, so Debbie, there will be time for questions at the end, right? So I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. If you all have questions, please put them in the chat and then we will get to those questions at the end. Unless Aunt Debbie catches fire and just goes into another stratosphere and <laughs> will be amazing as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving me that space, Andrew. <laughs> Yours okay. to have. All right. So I recognize that there's going to be people from every experience and background out in the audience right now. You know, there'll be single people and some of you are maybe in the matching process. Some of you are married already. But I'm assuming that most of you who are on this, it's because in some way, the problems around pornography have touched your life in some way. And For this, I just want to spend a couple of minutes to really focus on what it's like for the partner of someone who is using. So I'm going to speak mostly to those people in the audience, okay? Mm -hmm. And as Sammy said, you know, you can, I'm going to use the pronouns he for the person who's using pornography and she for the person who's supporting her partner, even though it's not always that way, but it's most commonly that way. So just while I'm speaking, I'm going to use those those pronouns that way. And my hope is that some of what I share will maybe validate some of your stories and some of your personal experiences. I want to talk a little bit about betrayal trauma. And I want to highlight a few things that I think are helpful in terms of the healing process for a couple in this situation and for the supporting partner. So one of the questions that I think is most common that I get when I'm talking to a woman, a sister, is they almost always ask me, what can I do to support my spouse? And on the face of it, that's a really great question. That means they love their partner. But sometimes I worry because underneath that question is often what I think is a faulty understanding of the situation. And what I mean by that is, in a lot of ways, many women think that their partner's problem with pornography has something to do with them. And that if they just figure out what the right thing to do is, then it will make it a lot better. And I just want to say that's not true. 
And that's why I worry when people ask me that question. If that's their first question, I'm, I'm a little bit worried because I don't want you to be thinking that way because it's not true. Your partner's pornography problem actually doesn't have anything to do with you. And the other thing that I, I worry about when I get that question is that it often a reflection of the fact that you are neglecting your own needs at the expense of trying to meet your partners, which again, sounds great, but really isn't in this kind of situation. And it's really common for women to tend to do that, to put their needs of other people in front of their own. We're culturally educated to do that. The culture tells us that we should always be giving. That's what women do. They give, they acquiesce, they support other people. And, and our church culture supports that because you know we are all about unconditional love and sacrifice. And it gets a little murky sometimes, especially for couples in this situation. So I would say that if you are married to someone who has a serious pornography problem, a better question to ask yourself might be, what do I need to stay strong and safe? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, because the truth is, the truth is that the best thing that you can do to help your partner is to take care of yourself and let your partner do the same. And I know that sounds easier than it really is because realistically, one of the hardest things for a woman in this situation is to recognize that her, as I said, her partner's recovery is not dependent on her, on what she does or doesn't do. It's his responsibility and not yours. And that leads me to what I see as a very common pattern when I'm working with couples. And that is that one person is addicted and the other person takes most of the responsibility to fix and help, fix and help fix and help. But the problem with that is that fix all that fixing and helping behavior is actually doesn't work. It doesn't fix or help anything. And what tends to happen more often than not is that both people get really discouraged and frustrated. And usually your partner will end up feeling like you're trying to control them. That's mm. never good. And you end up feeling like you have no control. Also not good. It's just not effective. What's most effective is to focus on your own choices, your own behavior, and your own emotions. That is where you have control. That's the most important thing for you to remember. That's where you have control. So one of the first things I would recommend that you do in order to start taking care of yourself and trying to be strong and safe is start noticing what's going on with you, what's happening in your body, what's happening in your thoughts, your feelings, your behavior. Are you sleeping well or not? Are you crying all the time? And I want to say very clearly that whatever it is that you are feeling is normal, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. When you're going through something this intense, this is a time where you don't want to be thinking about what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. You should throw out all the shoulds and all the shouldn'ts, mm -hmm. okay? Whatever you're feeling, that's it. That's what you're feeling. And also, for those of you who are in this experience, you've probably already noticed that there will tend to be well-meaning people, meaning people who love you, <laughs> who mm. will, without meaning to, minimize your feelings and your experience. Mm. They'll say things to you like, it's not that big of a deal. Mm. That's a classic one. It's not that bad. At least he's not having an affair. Another classic one. Or don't you think maybe you're overreacting? Now, I'm sure some of you who are listening have had have heard that from people. And it's not because they're they're trying to minimize your feelings or it's really because they just don't get it. Okay. What they don't understand 
is that the feelings of betrayal are the same, no matter if your partner is having an actual affair with somebody or just being addicted to pornography. It's the same, okay? What's the same is that there's someone else in the relationship and that's what gets in the way. There's a third party or there's more than one other person in the relationship. And so that's where the challenge is, okay? And so the breach of trust is the same and the trauma is the same. Because realistically, when you think about it, to be betrayed by the person who is supposed to love, respect, and support you the most, that's traumatic. That's traumatic. And trauma always requires grieving and healing. Okay. So I want to just talk a little bit about some of the things that are common that you might be experiencing or that your partner might be experiencing. Research is now telling us that a lot of the things that the way people respond to sexual betrayal of any kind are very similar to the things that people experience when they're suffering from PTSD. Things like depression, anxiety, panic attacks, hopelessness, flashbacks, recurring nightmares. Those are all very common uh, symptoms of PTSD or betrayal trauma. And also when you're experiencing betrayal trauma, it affects you in a lot of other ways as well. First of all, it almost always impacts your ability to problem solve, which is mm. a drag when you're going through a mm. lot of challenges, right? Because it's like when you feel like I can't think straight, like I just can't think straight and you can't make healthy decisions because there's just too many things going on. It also makes it really hard to regulate your emotions. That's why people will commonly have uh, mood swings and it compromises your capacity to self-soothe. It makes it really hard to relax. When people are traumatized, they're often extremely hypervigilant. They can't relax. They're always like on edge. When you're spending a lot of time being hypervigilant, it tends to eventually mean that you get fatigued and exhausted. So both mm -hmm. those things are happening almost at the same time. And it also, which is really awful, it makes it harder to connect to others just at the time in your life when you need to reach out and get the support from other people the most. Often the partner will have their own level of blame and shame that going on that makes it hard for them to reach out when they need it. So all of those things are very, very common. And so there's a lot of things that you might need to do if you're experiencing any of those symptoms, including, you know, talk therapy, counseling, joining your own support group for other, you know, with other partners who are going through this similar situation, even medication to help you sleep or to deal with your anxiety. All those things are helpful and something that you should look into if you're experiencing those kinds of things. But there's something that I'd like to talk about that I don't think gets talked about quite so often. It's the whole idea of making boundaries. You know that part of your recovery is learning how to empathize and support your partner. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when you're in the midst of struggling and trying to overcome your addiction to be able to reach out and really understand what your partner is going through because of your addiction. It's very, very challenging, but it is what it is. It's just really hard. And that's one reason why partners will push back when they feel that somebody has a boundary. But the thing is, you know, your partner's in pain too. And because they're in pain, they may very likely say hurtful things, do hurtful things, or blame you for their struggles. That's very common. And that's why you have to create some boundaries. For example, husbands 
will often say stuff like, we're not having enough sex and that's why I need to watch pornography. Or you need to lose more weight because I'm not attracted to you and that's why I'm struggling with pornography. Or you're overreacting because your self-esteem is so low and that's why I'm struggling with pornography. So your partner will have a lot of reasons for why he's struggling with pornography. But let me just say, just because he says those things doesn't mean they're true. Okay, because remember, his recovery is up to him and it's not determined by what you say or what you do, whether you lose weight or you try all kinds of different positions and sex. This is not the key for your husband to overcome his pornography habit. Okay, and the other thing is that your partner is also struggling with his own shame and blame. He's feeling guilty because he just doesn't have the confidence yet that he can be victorious. So he's taking it out on you. That's just the way it goes. So when you create healthy boundaries for yourself, it's kind of like you're making a line between you and him and what's his responsibility and what's yours. And that's really, really healthy and really helpful. Okay. So you try to put your focus on your own choices, your own behavior and your own emotions, and then let your partner work on doing that for himself. So now I'm going to talk a little bit Sammy, to answer your question, because I, I really get that it's challenging to, to sort of figure it out. So I always like to say to sisters, it's hard to know, like, well, what do you mean? Like, where should I start? How do I make boundaries? So I think it's important. Just get in touch with what you think you might need to feel a little safer, to feel like you have some space between getting what triggers you all the time. Okay, that's a good clue. That's a good place for you to look at. So women will often come up with stuff like this. I need to have confidence that you are taking real steps to overcome your addiction, for example. Or mm -hmm. I just don't want to be your only accountability partner anymore. This is too much for me. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Or I can't listen to you blaming me anymore. It's not good for me. Okay, or, and this is a really common one, I don't feel close to you right now. So I just don't want to have sex. I just can't. Those are very common things that women will often come up with when they get in touch with the kinds of things that trigger them and make it hard for them to stay clear and strong and healthy. And so then what you want to do once you come up with a few of those things for yourself, then you want to take those and kind of create, turn it into a request or a boundary. So for example, using those same things that I just mentioned, I want to have confidence that you're taking steps, real steps. So I'm going to request, for example, that you put filters on all of, our, of all of your devices. That's the bottom line. You have to do that kind of thing. Or I can't listen to you blaming me anymore. It's killing me. So from now on, when you start to do that, if I ask you to stop and you're not able to, I'm going to leave the room. That's it. That's my boundary. I'm going to leave the room. I can control that. Or I can't be your accountability partner anymore. So I request that you get your own support group and you have somebody else that listens to your ups and downs and your failures and your victories. And then the other one, I just don't feel comfortable having sex right now. Then for now, just for now, I think one of us needs to sleep in the spare room because it's just too hard for me to sleep next to you right now. Does that make sense? Is yeah. So, so the husband, what, how should, especially that last one could be very frustrating for people to, to so what, how, do you, how should they respond and like, well, they have to honor their wife's request. This is the whole point. And the challenge, the challenge, I'm glad you asked that question because the real challenge is really good boundaries actually have to have consequences. And that's when we get into trouble because it's really hard for us to make consequences. Mm -hmm. 
And that's especially for women. They just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving to the point where they lose all sense of who they are. They're going against their own conscience. They feel crappy, but they're trying to be nice and they're trying to be loving. And it's not working. It backfires. And so that's why it takes a lot of strength and you probably need some support, but it can really help to create a boundary, like a consequence. And a consequence would be something you have to make a consequence that you're willing to follow through on. Mm -hmm. And again, the consequence is not set up to be a punishment. I'm going to punish you by not having sex because, you know, whatever, like that's not what it is. The consequence is I just can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So I need this space. I need this boundary between you and me. Every time you reach out to touch me, I get traumatized because I start thinking about all these other women that you're masturbating to. It blows my mind. I can't deal with it. You understand? So it's hard for both people. It's hard for the wife to make a boundary and stick with it. And it's hard for the partner to respect it. But if you can't respect each other, you're really in trouble right? It's really serious. So, you know, a common, besides sleeping in separate rooms for a temporary time period, you know, another thing is like an in-house sort of separation or even a, a a temporary, you go somewhere else for a little while until you feel like you've made a little progress, but you can't drag me along if you're just not making progress because I'm dying. I can't allow you to do that, especially if you have children. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's really hard because we just have such weird ideas about boundaries. Like we actually feel like I'm being an unloving person by creating a boundary. But Mm -hmm. if you lose yourself, which is what very commonly happens to women, they give so much that they just literally lose themselves. They forget Mm -hmm. who they are. They don't trust their intuition at all anymore. And they just get very confused. That's not a good marriage. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. You have to be your full self. That's why I say the most important thing is to take care of yourself. Mm. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show. So I want to backtrack to one thing you'd said. So you talked about a boundary being the wife says, I can't be your only accountability partner. You need to find someone else. Typically, I, I'm working with the guys. And so I always actively tell them like, yeah, you shouldn't have your wife be your accountability partner. I mean, because of everything we're talking about, it's so emotionally exactly. smart. But then based on what you meant, is there any situation where it would make sense to have the spouse as an accountability partner or just think pretty much across the board that the, these men should be finding other people to play this role for them? I think that it's almost pretty much across the board. I mean, recently I was doing a blessing interview with a sister who was, you know, often, you know, you're supposed to do your blessing interview before you get matched, but often people are already in the process with someone when they do their blessing interview. And so she was in the process already. And after we finished the blessing interview, we talked about a lot of things and I brought up the whole idea of pornography and asked her if she talked about it with her person that she was in the process with. And interestingly, she said to me, yes, we talked about it. And he said he was going to start working on it. And he asked me to be his accountability partner. (laughs) And I was like, okay, red flag, red flag. That's not good. First of all, he's going to start (laughs) now that he's in the process. It's already kind of late, right? He should have been working on it before he went in the process. So that's 
tough right there. But also like, so I'm going to, you know, I want you to be my main person. That's not going to work. And I tried to explain that to her. It was hard for her to understand because she was still in the mindset of, I want to be a loving partner and I want to be my partner's. You cannot be in this situation. You cannot be your partner's best cheerleader. In everything else, when your partner is trying, you know, to get into a PhD program or applying for their best job that they've ever had, you can be their cheerleader. That's appropriate as a married partner, but not in this one. In this one, you have to have some separation because what happens to the sisters is they get re-traumatized every single time. That's the thing about betrayal trauma that's different than some other kind of traumas. Literally every time her partner tells her, you know, I'm sorry, I slipped up again, she's re-traumatized. It's exhausting and and it wears them out. It's Mm -hmm. exhausting. And so it's not really fair for the husband to put that on his wife. Right. So she might be working really hard at staying clear and healthy and trying herself because her work is to figure out how to support him in a healthy way. And it's complicated. It's complicated. So she has to do her own work to take care of herself. And he has to do his own work to deal with his addiction. And also, simultaneously, they have to work on their marriage. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And Mm -hmm. this is why I think it's really helpful. You know, you need help. This is when you really need help. Ideally, both partners would have their own support group and their own counselor or close Mm -hmm. friend or whatever, because this is a lot. This is work. This is real internal work. Mm -hmm. And you need support. You need a lot of support to get through this in a healthy way. And the other thing, on top of all that, you have to rebuild trust. That's a lot of work. That's the biggest piece, really is, you know, even once the partner overcomes his pornography addiction, the trust was broken and that has to be rebuilt. It's not a magic thing. Okay, I'm done now. We can resume life as usual. It's not that simple. So they might need help with that as well, just to reconnect and find new ways of relating and connecting. I'd like to just conclude with a few things just for the sisters, if I could, really brief, and then any questions. I really like questions. So I just want to say to the sisters who are going through this, okay? First thing is, you're not crazy, Mm. even though you feel like you're crazy right now. Second thing is, this is not your fault. Third thing, don't let people tell you or don't believe it when people say this is indemnity and this is your course, okay? No, this is just life and Mm. you're going to get through it. It's not your course to suffer like this. You Mm. know what I'm saying? I don't think God does that. That's not my kind of God. And then the other thing, the absolutely most important thing is to remember that you are, each of you, God's daughters. And Mm -hmm. so you're worthy of being honored and cherished. That's what God wants for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all I want to say. Now you can ask any questions. I hope some from people out there. I think it's very encouraging. I mean, if we can do this concisely, I'll leave three with you. First one, if you think that someone had asked about how to react if you're in a matching process and then they admit to struggling with porn, do you think that there's anything to add to that specific situation beyond what you've already covered? Yeah, I do. And I'm glad that question came up because the situation that I illustrated, it's really important for the partner who discloses that they're struggling with pornography to make a plan. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing. This is going to be my plan. And then you check in with each other based on that. It's not enough for your partner to say, I'm working on it. If they don't have a plan, that means they're not working on it. Okay, that's the thing. They're struggling with it, but they're not working on it unless they have a plan, unless they're getting support, unless they've already put filters on their their devices and they already have a support group. There's a big difference between 
I'm working on it and I have a plan and a support system in place. Mm-hmm. And so if I was a person going into in the matching process, and hopefully this, this topic comes up fairly early on in the process because mm-hmm. it's important, that's what I would request. And then you have to give them space and time to work on it. Mm-hmm. Time is always your friend, but especially in this kind of situation. Don't make the mistake of, you know, I love him. It's going to be okay. And we'll work it out once we get married. What's mm-hmm. going to happen is if he hasn't made a plan and hasn't made real concrete steps to overcome it, he's going to take that into the marriage. That's what's going to happen. I mean, can you guys refute that or do you agree with me? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you got to have a plan. So, yeah. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah. I guess we have to wrap up for your part, but what do you think is from the husband's perspective, what do you think is absolutely vital for them to know about their wife's healing process and what to understand about what their wife is experiencing and needs to go through? Okay. Well, the only thing I could maybe say that might help a husband is to say, think about what you're dealing with and how hard you're struggling to overcome this problem. Mm -hmm. And just assume that your wife is struggling as much. It's different, but it's not less than. I think if that, if you can just keep that in mind, you may not be able to understand it because it's different, but the goal is to be able to really appreciate each other and each other's healing process mm-hmm. and respect each other. And that's hard. That's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Thank that you. seems to come up a lot in these sessions is the power of empathy and what that does. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Yes. Unfor- unfortunately, that brings us to a little overtime. It just went by like that. It's, such, it's so short. This Aunt Debbie, thank you so much for taking time to share yeah. your experience and your your expertise with us. It, it's really helped a lot of people. I hope you can go back. I, I'm, I end up saying this to everyone, but I hope you can go back to see the comments people have been leaving. You've oh. really made a huge difference for so many people just now. I'm so glad to hear that. And also, I would like people to know that I had a few resources that I wanted people to be aware of, besides, of course, High Noon. So if you could put them up yeah. somehow. Yeah, that's what we wanted to end was like, so, because this is a great introduction, educational, but people need continuous, right? So yeah, where, where would you point people to? Besides High Noon, which is great, yeah. of course, there's three organizations that are specific for wives of husbands who are struggling with pornography that I think are really good. And mm-hmm. first one is Recover, and you'll, you can put them in the chat later. The other one is Bloom. And the other one is Addo Recovery. They have every kind of support. They have online support, group support, personal counseling, personal testimonies, pretty much everything. And that's, I think, really important for women. So those are, I think, nationally three of the best programs out there. And also, if you could just put my website on there so people could, I would really be happy if people wanted to reach out to me and my email. I'm happy to support in any way that Absolutely. I can. Yeah, we just took a moment to, you don't see it, but we just took a moment to post the resources that you mentioned in your website. Okay. That's what everyone's looking at right now. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yes, Thank Sarah. you guys so much yeah. for letting me share about this because as you probably could tell, I'm a little passionate about yeah. it because like you said, Sammy, it's a little bit of an underserved area, but crucial. And so I was so happy to have a chance to contribute a little bit at least. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Aunt Debbie, for being with us. So... Up next, we wanted to share a personal story to emphasize the impact that a spouse, or not not a spouse in situation, but a partner experiences on the receiving end of a partner that's using pornography. 
And really a heartbreaking testimony and story. And what we'd want to convey with this is this the earnestness with which we really feel that people should take pornography and how deep the impact that pornography can go and how it does have a real effect in people's lives and it causes real pain. And the good thing about this story is it has a wonderful ending. And so that's why we want to share that with you. If anything, for husbands to understand, for those that are you know, cavalier about their pornography use, to reflect on what this could be causing someone else. For those who are single in the future, what it might do. And if you're in a relationship, what the effect it can have. And you know, take your sexual integrity seriously. And so it's a really special person to my heart and to Hainun. And you just saw her, actually, she was on the previous session. Sonny Pisano, now Sonny Ryan. Just blessed. Grew up in Portland, Oregon. 25 years old, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. 25. And she's so courageous and to and generous to be willing to share her experience in this on the receiving end of being in a relationship and then how pornography impacted that. And so she's willing to come and share her experience with everyone. So I just wanted to say thank you for that and really acknowledge how much it takes you to build do that. So and so thank you for being here, Sunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before I dive into my personal story, I just want to emphasize just how eloquently put what Debbie said was like, if I had that talk to me, when I had begun this relationship, six years ago, I think my story would be very different. I don't think I would be here talking, honestly. I think that there could have been so many preventative measures taken at the start of before we started the process in the midst of our process. And even at the end, I didn't have these resources. I had to figure out so much on my own. And my situation obviously unfolded well before Heinen became this incredible, wonderful organization that it is. And so, yeah, I really ask that all the listeners really take to heart what Debbie said. Whether you're personally struggling or you have a partner who's struggling, everything's recorded. Please rewatch what Debbie said, especially when it comes to setting the boundaries and just knowing that there are consequences, not only for yourself, but everyone that's in your life. So yeah, as Sammy said, my name is Sunny Pisano, now Sunny Pisano Ryan. I am always so honored to be asked to speak for High Noon. Despite not having struggled with pornography myself, I was with a partner who did. So this is my story. I felt like we were soulmates. (laughs) Our friendship evolved innocently enough from age 11 to awkward classmates at age 16 to the young adults we were by age 19. Our families spent major holidays together. We flirted with each other constantly in Sunday school class. He was one of my closest friends and confidants and my secret crush and someone who I easily imagined spending the rest of my life with. After high school graduation, I took a gap year away from home to join Generation Peace Academy while he stayed behind. And I spent this year just discovering who I was, strengthening my faith, and ultimately trying to answer this question, do I really want to commit my life to this one person? And when I returned home that following summer, my answer was clear, yes. Yes, I do want to spend my life with him. So we started an informal matching process that September. Both our parents were involved and we took things pretty slow. I was enrolled in university and he was working full time. But by December, he finally confided in me a core reason why he wasn't ready to fully commit. He had a pornography addiction that he felt little control over or hope of recovering from. He explained how he'd been exposed to porn at age 12. And sometime over the years, it had evolved into an addiction. 
at age 17, he had finally mustered the courage to confide in his parents. And their response was not only devastating to him, but traumatizing. They coldly shut him out, shamed him, and refused to help him get professional attention. They literally told him, this is your problem. If you want help, you're going to have to pay for it. He was 17. He thought I would end our relationship then and there. However, I did the opposite. He was in tears and I embraced him. And I swore that we'd work through this together. But two years later, I was graduating from university and our relationship was still in limbo because he still wouldn't fully commit. He actually became more and more pressing for sex, saying we could be each other's first and we won't catch anything because we're both virgins. And he was charming enough to convince me it was all going to be okay because we were going to end up together anyways. But even though there were frequent talks about signing matching documents and attending the blessing, he always backed out from setting definitive date and would always flake with anything involving our parents. My senses finally hit me one of those nights and I fiercely insisted that we have a serious talk about where our relationship was headed. And that is when he confessed with me and what he confessed completely broke my heart and it completely changed my world. He confessed that he didn't want to be matched or blessed after all. He didn't actually really want to commit to me or be in the church for that matter. And that he wasn't being honest whenever he said he was a virgin. In fact, he had lost his virginity months prior to a one night stand and had since then been hooking up with girls from bars and Tinder dates and other random women he can't remember the names or faces of all the while still seeing me and all the while still trying to have sex. I was shocked, hurt, humiliated, the whole gauntlet. It felt like my whole world had come crashing down on me 10 years from start to finish. And he simply got up and drove away. And he's been out of my life ever since. I simultaneously lost my first love and my best friend. All the articles I had read about addiction suddenly made sense. All the research on stages in addiction suddenly became relatable, the increasing deceit, the inevitable transition from just viewing to acting out what you see on the screen, and the double life that no one knows about. So it's been almost four years since then, and I've been learning not only how to heal, but how to empower myself. This unfortunate ending actually became the beginning of a spiritual transformation within me. Sorting through betrayal trauma is one of the most painful things we as humans can ever experience. It is, it has been the most painful thing I have ever experienced. But the journey of healing is really a testament to the strength of the human spirit. And I can say now with utmost conviction that faith is the lifeline to pull through the times of darkness. There were times when I seriously thought I wouldn't ever love again. But God is a gracious God, and he has proven me wrong time and time again, that it is only my thinking that limits me. And I had to learn how to forgive, even when there were no apologies, and that I could transform my life through the power of prayer and by living a life of intention. I have since published a book about my journey of healing and also rediscovering my faith in God and true parents. I have been a guest speaker for High Noon multiple times, and it's an honor each and every time. <laughs> I serve as a youth leader and mentor to countless younger second generation, many of whom have confided in me about their own struggles with pornography, masturbation, and other sexual integrity issues. 
I feel like it is my responsibility to use my experience for educational purposes now. I've realized that the fastest route of healing comes in the form of helping others heal too. And it is my hope that with a strong support network, especially with High Noon, that we can minimize the number of stories like my own and yeah, increase the health in existing and future relationships. So I said this before, I seriously thought I could never learn how to trust or love again, but God has an excellent sense of humor. <laughs> and in February of this year, I received the blessing to attend from man. <laughs> um, yeah. Isn't he so handsome? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and I am just so incredibly blessed to have a man of such high values and a man of integrity to call my spouse. I know that this is like the happy ending, <laughs> what you see four years, post four years, but what you don't see is the trauma and what it took to get here, what it took to become a woman who could receive an incredibly wonderful man like Jeremy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Give a kiss for you guys. <laughs> That's so awesome. What a great, what a triumphant. So, wow. If it, what a, it's your story is inspiring. It's so hope giving, right? Just to highlight your resilience. And if you really put in the work and you have faith that it can really work out in the end, like it, and it has for you. And so, yes, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. I do want to ask, you said you wrote a book about your experience. Where can people find the people want to know more about your journey? Where can people find this? Yeah, so I believe the link is with you guys. It is with Amazon. You can buy the ebook for, I believe, $1.99 or 99 cents. And the hard book, actually, it's a paperback. You can get it mailed to you for, I believe, it's $7.99. Amazon.com. And what's it called? <laughs> Co-creator, Discovering My Identity with God. Co-creator right. by Sonny Pisano. Co-creator, Discovering My Identity with God by Sonny Pisano. All I can say is, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we, I mean, you gave this testimony before, like at Top Gun, and it was missing this last bit. So on behalf of High Noon, we are, we are so happy to watch you go through this journey and claim every ounce of victory. And that's your victory that you get to keep. And it's also a deepening of your relationship with God and the meaning of this whole thing. So we're all so proud of you, sincerely. And we wish nothing but the best and 27 children. So good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Sammy. It's an honor every time. Thank you. Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our Love and Integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.